thinking differently. You know, if you want to change your life, then change the way you think. You know what I'm saying? And so we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. We, we talked to the first week about a victorious mindset and how, man, it, that, that God has actually enabled us to be overcomers. And then last week, where's Senor? Oh, Dom's doing work somewhere. But uh, Dom did last week a servant heart mindset. Was that awesome? So, um, did we do another one or am I missing? I feel like so many things have happened. Victorious. We all went to Azusa now last Saturday, which was epic. There's like so much stuff going on. I literally cannot catch up with what's happening. It's like, uh, yeah, we're like a mission trip, but in America, like every day, all day long. Oh, speaking of that, uh, by the way, every Thursday we go on campus. So, uh, Miss Lauren Woods and, and myself and, and Yar, Denise, and just so many of us, like there's so many of us that have come on campus. And so we go there every Thursday at U Hour. And usually we bring my guitar and I just, we just worship out there in the, in the open, you know? So we're just, we're just praising God out there and seeing what happens. You know, Jesus said, if you let your light shine, people will come. He says, and, and so like, I, we're, we're just shining the light. I heard a word. It was so simple. Patricia King said, the reason why it's dark outside is because the light's not shining. And I was like, duh. So why aren't we on campus doing something about it? And so, so we've been going over there and uh, today we decided, I was like, not, I wasn't sure we should bring my guitar. I texted Lauren. She's like, yeah, don't bring your guitar. <laughs> no, she didn't say that, but she, she was like, she wasn't feeling it either. So we're like, oh, we're going to do a treasure hunt. And so we get on campus and, uh, and then we're hanging out, kind of figuring out, we're, we're seeing what we're going to do. And then Sabrina calls me. She said, listen, uh, are you guys on campus today? And I'm like, yeah, we're just hanging out by the statue. And, and she said, yeah, because there's this dude preaching some crazy stuff or whatever, whatever. And this dude was getting crazy. How many of you have, have you guys seen these people who preach on campus? Um, there's this guy, and then there's like a like a like an older couple, right? That comes, I, and uh, I guess they come like once a year. Apparently, there's a tour, there's a circuit of, of these <laughs> these people, and he's like standing up on this ledge and telling. He was saying crazy stuff, man. Like saying he was saying stuff like the homosexuals are the ones that are spreading STDs to everybody. He was saying stuff like sent this girl try to talk to him and he's like I do not permit a woman to speak right now and then and then like this African-American dude was asking him a question and and then he, he was like calling him he was like oh yeah oh yeah the black dude right there and, and then he said no I'm not racist I have a black friend it was just really weird like it was really weird this dude was like I mean I mean that's not necessarily super super bad but you if you were there you know what I'm talking about like homeboy was like poking at every single thing. And then he was quoting scripture and reading from his Bible, trying to tell everyone like, you know, you're all going to hell. Like, so he got interrupted one time. And then he said, he said, wait, where was I? Oh yeah, you're all going to hell. And like, he literally said that for it. Like he literally did that. I was like, oh my gosh. So, so anyway, we were out there, we were talking to people, kind of connecting with them, kind of saying like, hey dude, you, you know, you guys all right? You know, this he's kind of crazy, whatever. And then I just got up on the thing too. And I said, hey, everybody. And I started preaching the good news. I said, God loves you. Jesus died for you. You know, whatever it was. And, and he kept trying to talk over me and he asked me some question in front of everybody, and he said, uh, "He said, well, do you think homosexuality is a sin?'" And I'm like, "Oh, here we go, dude. You know, now he's trying to get everyone to hang me. You know what I'm saying?" So I just went up there and I said, "Hey, listen, it doesn't matter what sin you've done, whether it's whether it's you know drunkenness or drug addiction or homosexuality, lying or cheating or whatever. All of that is, is sin, but Jesus will accept you just as you are, and then He'll change your life." And I said, "You don't take a bath before you take a shower. You don't say it. You don't clean the house before you invite the cleaners. You know, it's just." It's weird. And so anyway, I preached this to, to the people and it, it was just so, it was so fun. I'm telling you, it was so fun. I just realized like the devil was trying to ruin the reputation of the gospel, but 
hello. He actually gave us a platform. The dude had a crowd like bigger than this all around him. And it's like, oh, this is an opportunity to preach the gospel. And so we just started preaching the gospel. I tried to hug him. He didn't want to be hugged though. And, uh, I just thought Todd White would hug him. So I don't know. Like, I just thought I should hug him because this is what Jesus would do. And so like, I try to hug him. I say, Hey dude, can I just hug you, man? He's like, no, I don't No, No, don't touch me. And I'm like, come on, dude, come here. <laughs> And uh, I was making a lot of jokes, too. I said, man, at the end, because I, I had a meeting to get to, I just said, guys, listen, God is in a good mood today. And, and man, he, he loves you so much. And he was trying to, you know, it was just craziness, man. But I thought it was such an awesome opportunity to actually share the true gospel. Like, gospel actually literally means, if you look in a dictionary, gospel means good news. <laughs> if it ain't good news, you probably don't have the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Like, but like, does, I mean, think about this. Do, do firemen go into burning buildings and go, you're burning, you're burning. No, they help them get out the fire. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's stupid to go into a burning building and tell everyone they're burning. You know, you're going to burn. <laughs> like, can you help me out? <laughs> like, and so the gospel isn't telling people that they're burning. The gospel is actually telling them the way out of it. This is, this is why. So anyway, um, yeah, so we're like preaching the gospel, and it was, it was just exciting. I took a picture with him on my Instagram and posted it. He wanted to take a selfie with me, and he even posed for the selfie. So I thought that I was kind of not sure that if this was like some weird social experiment or not, uh, like that Ashton Kutcher's about to come out the bushes with a camera and tell me I just got punked. I wasn't sure, like I'm, because it was really ludicrous what he was saying. Some of the stuff, like it was pretty, it was, I'm telling you, it was some of the stuff he was saying was so outlandish that I was like, there's no way he's serious right now. There is no way. Like he, there were some kids there on a field trip for like, you know, they're checking out colleges and he was talking about like STDs and all the sexually sins and all this stuff. And I said, cover your ears, kids, cover your ears. Cause I'm trying to lighten it up. I'm just messing around. And the kid, oh, there's kids here. And he goes like this, Jesus loves the little children. All and he started singing the song and I'm like, there, this must be a prank. This must be. There's no way he's serious right now. But at the end of the day, we have to love him as well. If we don't love him, then we contradict the very message we're trying to preach. And so we also had a moment where I was sharing with people, because there, there was a homosexual guy who was walking away yelling at him. And I said, hey, dude, what's up, man? You, you all right? He's, oh, I'm okay. I'm like, dude, sorry, man. But I said, I said, listen, man, you know what? It'd be really powerful if you loved him. If you loved him back, it would be so powerful if we, if we conquered the whole thing by loving him. Because how many understand, not only do we need love, but homeboy needs love too. <laughs> and if the very presence of, you know, the body of Christ can't love him, then where's he going to get love? You know what I mean? So all that to say, uh, uh, well, that's an advertisement for y'all to come out with us in the U hour every Thursday <laughs> to come and share the good news with people. Um, but the other thing is, uh, we're talking tonight about a revival mindset. And we're, we're talking about, you know, listen, the crux is here to to lead people to new heights by mobilizing young revivalists. If you know, if you've been here for any moment of time, our heart here isn't just to have a social club, although that's going to happen, but our heart here is to mobilize, to train you up to do the works of Christ. This is the whole point of even church, by the way. Church is actually training ground for world changers. And you can see that in Ephesians 4, 11, 12, 13. You see that, that actually, that these ministers are given by Christ to train up the body of Christ so they can do the work of ministry. And work of ministry doesn't just mean doing something inside the church, but it actually means that you're doing something outside the church, representing Jesus and leading people to Christ in your various ways. And so this is our heart to mobilize young revivalists. And so every week we're 
we're encouraging you. We're, we're, we're teaching things about the mindsets of Christ, but every week we're praying for each other. Every week we're seeing people getting, get, uh, getting healed. We're, every week we're, we're challenging you to live this life outside of the four walls because if we don't, then it's going to be dark outside. You know what I'm saying? But God has placed you in a specific place for a specific time, for a specific purpose. That means the people that, you, that you're going to touch, that the, that the person next to you ain't going to have the influence that you have. But if you actually step out and be the light of the world, it doesn't mean that you're going to be uh, the same way as Todd White does it. It's not going to be the same way that I do it. It might be the same way that Taylor does it. But you have a uniqueness to share this gospel. And this revival mindset, revival literally means something that comes back to life. And what revivalists do is that they release the life of God everywhere they go. They're just just life when they come. Someone was saying that the other day. They were talking about a, I think they were talking about a worship leader or something like that. And they just said, man, every time that I've seen that guy do worship, there's just life. I don't know how to explain it, but there's just life. And and this is the point, man, that if people can get around us and feel more alive, if people can come around us and feel love, if people can come around us and and actually their physical bodies even get healed, if they can come around us and be lifted up, then then we're doing a good job. Jesus said, "If if you shine your light and you do good deeds, then it says that they will fear your Father in heaven. They, in other words, they have a reverential worship for, towards God. You, you, will, you will turn their hearts towards God. And so sometimes it's going to be the preaching of the gospel. Sometimes it's going to be healing the sick, but sometimes it's going to be paying for someone's groceries. Sometimes it's going to be you know, paying for someone behind you in the Starbucks line. Sometimes it's going to be helping someone carry their books. It's going to be whatever it is, but no matter what we do, we represent Jesus. And revival is when, oh, God, I'm about to choke on my gum. Lord, have mercy. I got it. No, it's just that the gum split in half. Half was going down my throat and half was in my teeth. It was a bad moment. Anyway, I'm okay now. Thank you for praying for me. Listen, revival, <laughs> revival is when a great move of God happens. But I, I, I'm listen, I, I want, I'm, we're praying for it. We're believing God to birth something huge like a Jesus people movement where all you, where all you say is God loves you and then they, they start coming crying to get saved. I mean, that was the grace of God that was on the Jesus people movement. Lonnie Frisbee calls out to this guy, hey, God loves you. And the dude walks up weeping. What must I do to be saved? I mean, there's a grace when God does it. But until that grace falls on it where the gospel is that easy to preach, our, we're, we're praying, but we're, we're preaching the gospel. We're not waiting for something crazy to happen because we already have the go. You know what I'm saying? We already have the go of the gospel. He said, go into the world and preach the good news to all creation. And so we're talking about revival, and we're talking about igniting life everywhere we go. And so tonight, this revival mindset, I, I just want to just share briefly, and then Emily's going to come and blow it up. Um, yeah. But listen, there's a story in Exodus, and you can read chapters one and two on your own time, but this is the long story short. Israel was in Egypt, and they were the, the king, the pharaoh, you know, Joseph had favor, but then he passed away, and then the new pharaoh came uh, ruling Egypt, and they didn't know who Joseph was, so they didn't have favor. And all of a sudden, the pharaoh of Egypt started realizing that Israel was multiplying and multiplying, getting big, and they thought, oh my gosh, if we get into a war, they're going to join them and they're going to fight against us and we're going to be overtaken. And so the Pharaoh, by, because of fear, he, he started like putting slave, he, he, he like put a whole bunch of weight on them to, and they turned them into slaves. And this is, this is what Israel started being in slavery for years. And so they, they begin, it said, the Bible says that they begin to call out to God. They, begin, they even begin to groan inside of themselves because of the misery that they were in. I mean, and how many understand this is, a, this is a picture of what's going on in the world. It's like that, like the Oh Holy Night, you know, the Christmas song, long lay the world in sin and error pining and, until he appeared. You, you know what I'm saying? 
This is what's going on right across the street. And, and Emily has an awesome vision she's going to share about this. But this is a picture of what's happening in the world that there is maybe, maybe it's not, they're not in actual slavery, so to speak, although that is happening today. But listen, some of the people right around you, some of them are even being held captive in slavery by the devil and, and by things that he's, he's just moving them around and, 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 and stuff and their sin has caught them in slavery and they're stuck in a cycle of never ending guilt and shame and fear and condemnation. And they're groaning inside. And, and it's crazy. It's a picture of what's happening in the world. And so God actually appears to Moses in a burning bush. It's crazy. He appears to him in a burning bush. And, he, and Moses said, I, I got to turn. And it said this strange sight. <laughs> it's like it was a bush that was on fire. It was burning up, but not burning out. I mean, I understand that's a picture of the life of a Christian right there. Burning up, but not burning out. Ever burning brighter for the Lord, but not burning out. Because you're always getting fed. You want to know the secret to not burning out for the Lord is have a secret place time and keep getting filled up with the Lord. If you don't have that guaranteed burnout time, but if you have time with the Lord where you're refreshed in his presence, you can, you can go way further than you ever thought you could do. So God appears to him in a burning bush and starts speaking to Moses. And, and I'm just going to read Exodus 3, 7 through 10. And this is what he said. The Lord said to Moses, he said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Notice the Lord said he sees, that he hears, and that he's concerned. Can I tell you today that he sees what's going on in the dorms, and he, and he hears what's going on in the dorms, and he's angry? No, he's concerned. Can I say that? Like, he sees what's going on in your workplace. He hears what's going on in your workplace. And he's concerned. He actually cares about the people. Verse 8, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land, oh, this is good, into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Mike and Ike's, whatever. You know what I'm saying? All of them. What? That's not in there, but it might be in the Hebrew. Anyway, he came to rescue them and deliver them up out. Listen, listen. When God brings you out of something, he'll bring you into something. And this is what God came to do. This is John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life more abundantly. This is what we bring. They're, they're in the seal, kill, and destroy world. You know what I'm saying? And this is what's going on. People who, who are outside of Christ, they, they're still living this, but we get to bring abundant life. This is exactly what we just read. He's coming out of the restroom from the hands of the Egyptians and then bringing them into a good and spacious land. He's taking them out of steal, kill, and destroy into abundant life. This is what we're inviting them into. We are inviting them into the life of God. And then it says in verse 9, is that where he left off? And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing. God is, God is so good. He actually sees what people are going through. That's why the, the gift of word of knowledge is so good. Because the word of knowledge actually gives you information about what's going on in someone else's life so they can feel known and seen by God. That's why it's, it's not just a fun thing to, you know, it's, like, it's not just like a fun game, although it can be when you start knowing things about people's lives. <laughs> 
But I can remember so many different times that people are so blown away, like, how did you know that about my life? Like, standing right here, this, this girl came for her first time to Crux, and we came up when she, want, she wanted prayer for something she was going through, and she didn't even, she was kind of feeling like a little afraid to, to tell me what she was going through, and so we just closed my eyes, and I started praying for her, and God told me what she was going through, and I said it out loud, and her mouth dropped like this. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, you know, like, but in that moment, she had an opportunity to feel known and seen by God. Emily's going to tell more about that with the woman at the well, so I ain't going to go there too long, but all I'm just trying to say is God sees. Okay, verse 10, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is crazy. Did you, did you see that? Verse 10, so now go, I'm sending you. Okay, wait, wait, wait. We got to go back a second. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Go back to verse 8. Can we go back to verse 8? So I have come down to rescue them. Go go now, verse 10. So now go, I'm sending you. I'm not sure you got it. Verse 8. I have come down. This is the Lord speaking. I have come down to rescue them. Verse 10. I'm sending you. Let's do it one more time, just in case. Or any song is good too. I like her song. It's a good song. I have come down to rescue. The Lord said, I have come down. But he said in verse 10, he said, the survey says, so now go. I'm sending you. Because when you go, God goes. When you go, God's there. That's why he promised the the disciples at the, the Great Commission. What did he say? He said, lo, I'm with you. Always until the very end of the age. Why? Because you're about to do some impossible things. You need Jesus to be with you if you're about to do impossible things. Come on, come on. I want, I want you to hear this with fresh ears today. I want you to hear this with fresh heart. Like, wait a second. God is actually calling me. He's coming down through me. Not the person. That, it's not like, oh, I've already heard this before. Come on. Come on. For reals, though. For reals. Well, I'm going to ask this question, and it's probably a lot of you because you all just did this trip in L.A., Zuzu trip. But when's the last time you led someone to the Lord in salvation? I know, I know. I know you all just led like a hundred something people to the Lord last week. Come on, that's good. But I'm trying to tell you for real, for real. But like, oh, I've already heard this before. I've, I, I already know this message. We, we talk about it all the time. Okay. When's the last time you prayed for someone in public? When's the last time you, you did something and shared the gospel for someone in a various way? You, you know what I mean? Whatever it is. I, are you with me on this? It's not to hurt. It's not to like, but it's like, come on, man. This isn't, this isn't just like, oh, I know this message. You'd be like, no, come on, man. There's, there's people all around us. And we, God says, I'm coming down to rescue. So go. Amen. Come on, Emily. Tell us some more. All right. Wow. That was so good. Jesus. Uh, Guys, I just want us, excuse me. I just want us to catch God's heart for this. Because the thing is, is we have thousands of people right across the street from us who need Jesus so bad. And we have been so strategically placed as an epicenter and as a place for us, like God, to use us. God wants to use us. God wants to do something in the campuses and he's going to use us to do it. And so the thing is, is are we ready? Are we willing? He says, like, who, like, who will go? And I want us to be the people that cry out, Lord, I will go. Send me. I don't know about you guys. 
lives, but I want to see these people transformed and loving Jesus because their lives are going to be so much better because of it. So a couple of weeks ago, or a month or so ago now, uh, we were at the Pursuit Conference, and Pastor Andrew, uh, we were all like walking out, and Pastor Andrew stopped us and said, hey, let's, let's pray for the campus. Let's just take a minute, and let's pray for the campus. And so we just began, we just began to pray, and we began to intercede over the campus. And as we were praying, um, I saw this picture of like a hallway, and it was one of the hallways over there, and I could like point it out to you, but I felt like it was for the whole campus. And uh, these, like, I heard these voices, and I can like hear them like crying out in agony, like screaming and crying, like, help me. Somebody save me. Somebody do something for me. Like I am stuck. I am broken. I am hurt and I need help. Like who is going to help me? Because, and it was just like cry after cry. And it wasn't just one voice. It was like dozens and dozens of voices. And I could almost like see like hands stretching out, like somebody, somebody help me. Who's that going to be? Like that, we have to let that get inside of us and we have to let ourselves like realize that there's a need, that there is a need, that we have something to offer the world. If you have Jesus inside of you, if you're born again and Jesus is your focus of your life, you have something to offer everybody you come into contact with. Seriously. And as Pastor Andrew was talking, I was actually like, the Lord showed me a little bit more of a picture and I saw like, the dorms and all like the gates over here, but all of them had gates on it. And I don't know, I don't, I don't do horror movies, but I've seen a few and like, you know, in like maybe zombie apocalypse movies, how there's like a gate and the zombies can't get through and they're all like, ah, and they're like, do you know what I'm talking about? Right. You guys can all picture that, right? A bunch of zombies all crammed up against the gate and they're trying to get through and it's locked because it's protecting the non-zombie people. Okay. Just, I don't know what that's from, but I've seen it somewhere. And I saw like us and I saw like all of us in this room and each of us running up with these like, um, chain like cutter things and running up to them and clamping it and opening the gates and setting the people free and the people ran like they didn't just like walk or like fumble they ran to Jesus like it opened up this pathway and they ran hard after it and the thing is is like you just have to be the one people want it they don't necessarily know that they want Jesus but they want Jesus and all you have to do is be the person that steps in and says let me show you a little bit and let God open the door and they're gonna run at him it's that simple it's not complicated. Revival's not hard. It's not this like complicated thing. We got to put all these puzzle pieces together. It's simply saying, Jesus, I want to be obedient to what you're doing and I want you to come and do it. It's that simple. And so I want to talk a little bit practically about how do we do that? Because we talk so much about it and we, and I feel like we do talk practically, but I kind of want to remind us of some things because I want us to remember that it's simple. Um, but real quick, a little bit about a little bit about revival is so the word revival comes from the word revive and it means to activate to set in motion or take up again to restore to life to bring back into notice and the word revive in hebrew is actually pronounced hayah which i think is so rad like literally like hayah so anytime they say whatever hayah i just think that's cool uh and it means to live to have life to sustain to be quickened from sickness discouragement faintness and death to live life and to live healthy So when we pray for revival, when we ask God for revival, when we say, what does that look like? It means we're bringing life back into society. It means that we're bringing health. We're being taken from death. We're being taken from discouragement and sickness. And life is literally coming back into all of our lives and back into society. When we say revival, when we say revival, it means we want to bring us up to a new level of living into a standard that God created us to be living at. 
And so practically, revival looks like three different parts. And, and the first part is already God's been doing it, and it's the part that we're in right now. The first thing is a church group of people, a church or group of people get revived. So it starts with an epicenter. It starts with just like when you drop a rock into a river or into a lake or whatever, and there's a ripple effect. There's one thing that needs to cause it, and it's a group of us need to get revived and set on fire for God. That's where it starts, and that's what we've been talking about. And the thing is, is in order for that to happen, is you need to let your life be changed and impacted by Jesus. That's how it's going to start. It starts with you letting Jesus get into your life and impact every area to where the only thing you ever want to do or say is talk about him, right? Just like, oh my gosh, Jesus is amazing. He's wonderful. Okay, for example, when Pastor Andrew and Rochelle were getting ready to have Hunter, they're so love struck by Hunter. All they wanted, they all they talked about Hunter. Every time Pastor Andrew got up on stage, we're having a baby every time, right? It's the same thing when you're so caught up, when you're so like in love, all you want to do is talk about it, right? Everywhere you go. And so you talk about Jesus everywhere you go. Everything that you're in is talking about him. He sets us ablaze. We wanted to get like set up and on fire for him. (laughs) Part two, the second part that happens is people get awakened and saved. So once we get Jesus inside of us, once we get impacted, it starts to impact the people around us, the next ripple, right? So we, we, it affects those around us. And it's like, Pastor Andrew was mentioning the woman at the well. Okay, so Jesus came with the woman at the well. We know the story where he comes to her and she like draws like water and he talks about, like he like tells her one simple word about her life and she turns around and goes, come, hear this man who's told me everything I've, who's, I've ever done. It was what Jesus did one simple thing. He prayed for her, he, she encountered him and she went back and told everybody about what Jesus did for her. So the thing is, is when we let, when we tell one person we let their lives get impacted by Jesus, they turn and then they go tell everybody about Jesus too. So it's, it's, it's a ripple effect. It's one thing after another. And when we let the people in our immediate circles get impacted by Jesus in our lives, then they do the same with theirs, and so on and so forth. And all it does is cause this thing that a couple of people were on fire and wanted to see Jesus come become this huge thing. Because the more people, because the more people get impacted, the more people can be reached, right? Because you guys have reaches that I don't have. So you can impact people that in your workplaces, in the campus that I'm not going to get to go to or somebody else isn't going to get to go to and vice versa. So when we do that, we get to impact more and more people. And the last thing that happens or the next thing that happens is society changes because people get changed. That means that everywhere they go, they're living their lives in a different way because they've impacted by Jesus. Okay, imagine if uh, everyone actually showed up to class. Or people said, let their yes be yes and their no be no. Or they showed up to work on time. Or maybe when somebody cuts them off on the freeway, they don't get mad and like flip them off and speed or, and cause an accident or something because they have Jesus inside of them. And yeah, it's going to be irritating. And, and But like, okay, you move past it, right? Because there's bigger things. There's better things in your life. Or how about it goes all the way up to affecting our politicians? And that's going to affect our country, right? So when we let Jesus be the focus of our lives and it impacts the people around us and then they impact the people around them, it works its way up into all the high levels of our government and our society and then it changes everything. So it's one thing after another and we have to make sure that we are ready for it. Are we ready for it and how do we do that? So the first thing, like I said, um, is I want to give you like some practical points on like how do we 
let, how do we steward this? Because it's really important that we, we want this to happen, we cry out for it, but how do we do it and how do we keep it going? Not just, we wanna see this cool thing happen, Fire and Glory ran for six months and now it's done, that was awesome, let's just keep going forward. No, we wanna do something that sustains. And in order, just like an athlete, like when someone shows up for the Olympics, they don't just show up to tryouts and show up for the event, they train for years and years and years to have the strength and the endurance to run the race. And we have to do the same thing with our spirituality. We need to be so crazy spiritually buff that we like might get, our adrenaline's gonna get us started, but the endurance is what's gonna keep it going, right? Right now we're excited because we see God moving. We just came back from the call. We're on an adrenaline rush, right? We're excited from what's happening. We wanna go out and do it, but we have, need to have actual endurance to keep going so that it lasts and that it's not just a short thing. Does that make sense, guys? Same thing like when you go to camp. That's an adrenaline rush. You get on a spiritual high, but we need to have spiritual endurance to run the whole race so that we keep it our entire lives and we have a revivalist life, not just a revival month. So the first thing is let Jesus change your life and become the focus of your life. And I said that a little bit already. You've got to let Jesus impact you and change you in order for you to change the people around you because we can't do it. And I can try night and day to do something and change something and impact something. But until I like let Jesus become Lord of my life and say, Jesus, can you fix this for me? Or Jesus, can you impact this? That's not, it's not, it's not going to happen or it will, but it won't be as good as it would be if I let Jesus do it. Just saying. Okay, the second thing is prepare yourself now. And I was reminded of, um, of like the example of the bridesmaids in Matthew where um, Jesus tells the parable of the bridesmaids and there were five that had a bunch of oil and five that had like a little bit less oil or no oil and they fell asleep and they woke up and the bridegroom's coming and so the five that didn't have enough oil had to go get more and by the time they came back, the bridegroom had come, the doors were shut and they couldn't go in. But the five that had enough were ready and were waiting for him. And it's the same thing I was just talking about. We have to have endurance to run the race. We have to be like fit spiritually to be able to go after. And it's not like it's going to happen all at once. It's a consistent thing, practically. Do you make time for Jesus in your daily life? Do you make time to take a love break like Pastor Andrews talked about? Do you get your daily word in? And if not, how can you make that happen? Because the thing is, is like, I know for me, if I don't make a priority to get with Jesus, I'm grumpy. And like, or I like let some like, like emotional things get the better of me. And I like will have an attitude or something, you know, for like perfect example, yesterday, uh, I'm, I'm a general manager for Panera Bread. And yesterday, my boss, my district manager came in to help me with something and I'd had to get up early. I like woke up late. I didn't get time to like pray and have some peace. And I was all worked up and he came up and I like snapped at him. And he's like, whoa, what's your problem? I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't prioritize my day. Give me a second. Give me five minutes. I'll come back <laughs> and, I will, and I will be willing to help you or do what you need me to do. And, it, and it's like, okay, it doesn't always be as dramatic as that, but that's just, at least for me, that's like practically, I need Jesus every day. <laughs> You know, like things get hard. And when you start your day or you end your day with Jesus and you put like those things as a priority, uh, are you praying throughout the day? Are you, when you get, when you get into a tough situation or you, maybe you're in traffic and you're on your way to work, do you ask the Holy Spirit to help you? Do you, if you need a parking spot, do you ask the Holy Spirit to help you? When I first came, when I very first came to Summit six years ago now, uh, Pastor Andrew was talking about praying for parking spots there. Um, and like talking about like just having favor and believing in favor. Let me tell you, every time I go to a mall, to a grocery store, I believe in favor that I'm going to park in the front and it happens 
pretty much every single time. And so, I, and I mean, it's just simple. It's simple things like that, like implementing Jesus into your daily life, praying, talking to him, communicating to him and everything uh, that just kind of like get yourself in that habit of, of that preparing, that being with him. The next thing, um, and I think that this might be one of the most important things in this list of like, how do we, how do we do this is ask God what his heart is for people, for groups and individuals. Because if we're going to, we're going to go pray for somebody or if we're going to go, um, uh, like, like we want to like change society. We want to impact it. We need to ask God what his heart is, right? If we go on a missions trip and I go to Africa and I come in with my own agenda in Mozambique, but God has something different. I'm not going to be able to minister like the Lord wants me to minister. And I can't have the same heart for Mozambique as I would when I minister here with you guys. It's different things. And there's different needs. Like if I'm, you know, if I'm going to pray for Danielle and then I'm going to pray for Susan, God has different hearts for them because they're different people. So I need to ask the Lord what his heart is for Danielle when I pray for her and what Susan's is when I pray for her. So so it's really important that we remember anytime we're like ministering to somebody, anytime we're praying for the campus, that we ask God what his heart is, that we ask the Holy Spirit for help and to guide us. Now we can come in and we can think we know, and we're going to be able to pray for people and they're going to get blessed. Don't get me wrong. It's not like you need to have this crazy word, this crazy revelation or anything like that. But it's so important that you include the Holy Spirit and you ask him, God, what are you doing right now? God, what do you want to say to this person? What's your, what's your heart for them? So that they can, we can communicate God's heart accurately. And there's so much more of an impact when we ask the Lord what he's doing rather than what we want to do. The next thing is don't worry about what other people are thinking or the responses of other people. Bill Johnson has this quote, and I think it's Bill Johnson that says it, but I'm not really sure. Uh, it says, if you live by the praises of men, you will die by their criticisms. And it's so true. If we let, for example, uh, years ago, I used to work at uh, C28, which is a Christian clothing company. And... Um, one of the requirements was we preach the gospel. So I was in the middle of the store talking to somebody about Jesus and like having a conversation about him. And his friend like came up and asked me another question. So we got distracted. We got off topic. And then I went back to the guy and he was avoiding my conversation, like the deliberate, like, have you asked Jesus into your life? What are you doing? And I was being super bold with this guy. And I, he, and I'm like, but you didn't, I turned back to him and I said, well, you ignored my question. You avoided the question. Like, have you asked Jesus into your life? Have you, I don't, remember exactly what I said. And I, guys, I'm not even kidding you. He looked at me and he turned around and he ran out of the store, made a right and ran outside and out of the mall, like literally ran from me. And I just remember being shocked and a little like disheartened in the moment because I was like, well, dang it. Like, but the thing is, is if we let, if I were to let that one moment like define like, oh my gosh, he ran away from me. I preached the gospel wrong. I said something wrong. I did it wrong. And then I'm never, and I'm never going to preach the gospel again. There's a lot of people I've ministered to since then that have given their lives to the Lord that if I hadn't been used by God, I would, I like would have missed out. Right. Or these people could have missed out on that opportunity in that moment. We can't let the way people react to something dictate the way we can continue to minister. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's going to be times where like you give a word and you're wrong. Okay, we learn, we move on, no big deal, right? But we need to remember that like if they don't, or maybe you give a word and it's spot on and they're like, yeah, or don't pray for me or no, I don't want to accept Jesus. They're not rejecting you. It has nothing to do with you. So you can't let what people say or don't say affect the way you continue to minister. We have to remember also to come from the finished work of the cross when we minister. That's really important because we come from the other side, the side that it is finished. Jesus has risen again. So we, we come from a place of victory when we minister. Um, the next thing is re realize that revival is going to be hard and uncomfortable at times. It takes sacrifice. So it, it takes getting outside of our comfort zone, right? Uh, one of the things that... Um, 
Real reward requires requires real risk. Real reward requires real risk because we need to step outside our comfort zone. We need to maybe get a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, Two years ago, we went to Africa uh, over the summer and we had to take an eight-hour car ride in the dirt with the windows down because there was no air conditioning. So we were covered head to toe in dirt. And like when you take a car ride in Africa, it's not like driving here. It's like you're dodging potholes the size of an elephant. You are dodging kids in the road, semis, other drivers. I mean, it's like a gnarly eight hour drive. Okay. And then we had to get out. We paid some guys to watch our car for us. Uh, and then we hiked like, um, about an hour and a half across the riverbed and up a hill into a village. And I was sick. Like I didn't feel good. I had had some stomach issues. If you're on mission ship, you know what I'm saying. And we were like, I've been in this car all the time. And then I'm walking for an hour and a half. And I was so like done. I was so tired. I was like, God, you better show up because seriously, this is crazy. This is exhausting. And I just remember the Lord saying like, is it worth it to you? Is it worth it to get uncomfortable to see what I'm going to do? And the thing is, is I didn't quite realize it at the time, but we were going out to a, a village that had heard about Jesus only 10 years before that. And this per- and the person that told them about Jesus decided, got up one morning and said, I'm going to go tell this, this village about Jesus. And they walked for a week to get there. Okay, what took us a day took them a week of walking to preach the gospel. And they did this consistently for 10 years so that these people would know Jesus. Okay. And then we get there and people came from miles around to hear us minister, to hear, to hear what we had to say, to hear what we got to preach. And the next thing you know, we're watching the Jesus film. People are getting saved and healed. And and there's like hordes of people around us. Daniel's note. They all just, when they want prayer, they just want prayer and they like come to you and they're all on their knees and they're kind of surrounding you in a circle. And you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And you just start laying hands and praying for people. And we saw so many people get touched and impacted by God. It was amazing. But if I hadn't like been willing to get uncomfortable, I would have missed out on an opportunity for the Lord to use me for these people to get impacted. The other thing is that's another reason why it's so important to ask God for his heart because in like in that moment, I didn't speak the same language and there's no translator and you don't have time to get a translator to pray for 150 people. You have to just go for it. So you just ask the Lord what his heart is for people and you trust in him that he's going to move even though there's a language barrier. That's a free nugget. Anyways, um, Uh, The next thing is take risks and go for it. Just go for it. You have to be willing to take a risk. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. Uh, One time uh, I was at work when I used to work at the Escondido Panera and we were kind of, we were, it was dinner time. It was a little busy. And this lady came up to me and was ordering and I noticed she had a hospital bracelet on her wrist. And um, I didn't have a word. I didn't have any like feeling at all. I just said, oh, like what happened? Is it you or a family member? And she said a family member and you could tell she was really down. And I said, well, can I pray for you? So I come around the corner, I put my arm around her. I prayed maybe 30 seconds, nothing too big. It wasn't this big spiritual thing. I just said, you know, gave her a hug. You know, Jesus loves you. I'm praying for you. Like I just want God's will for you in this situation. Just know that he's with you. And that was that. She left. She waved at me and she left and that was it. About two or three weeks later, they got a call while I was out and she talked to um, one of my coworkers and was crying on the phone. And this woman's dad had passed away the next morning after I prayed for her and she was devastated. She was broken. She was devastated. But then in the midst of all of her pain, she remembered that I prayed for her and she remembered that God saw her. And she'd been a Christian a long time ago and walked away. And she said it was the moment she realized she needed to come back to Jesus. So she said it was the thing that motivated her to get out of bed and go find a church. And she wanted to like thank me because she was going to go find a church. And I never, I never actually got to talk to her, but 
But my, the person who, like my coworker was so rattled and she was crying when she told me, she was like, what did you do? And I'm like, I just shared the love of Jesus. Like, and I didn't have this crazy prophetic word. I just took a risk and prayed for her and God used it to change this woman's life. Like that's how simple it can be. So simple. We don't have to have this crazy revelation. We just need to go out there and do it. We just need to go interact with people and tell them that Jesus loves them. Think about it this way too. Maybe you pray for people and they don't get healed and you're not seeing anything happen or you're not seeing people get touched. Einstein tried thousands and hundreds of whatever times to make the light bulb. But if he'd given up one time short of making the light bulb, we wouldn't have the light bulb. It's the same thing when you're praying for people. Sometimes the breakthrough is right around the corner and it's only if you keep pushing and keep contending for somebody to get healed, keep asking for God to do something, that is when it's going to happen. You know, and if it doesn't, we can't let it get us get discouraged. We have to believe and trust in God and know that he's going to do it anyways because he's faithful and he's good to his word right? For another, I'm just going to do examples here. Um, on Sunday, so I have glasses in case you all can't tell. Um, I've been, I'm just like (laughs) believing the Lord's going to heal my eyes, right? I've worn glasses and contacts since I was like 11. So for a long time now, and I'm just been believing it. So on Sunday, um, several times on Sundays, I've heard the Lord tell me to take my contacts out. And I was like, I can't because I don't have a way to drive home if I don't because I don't have glasses and I don't have contacts. So then I was like the next Sunday, I'd be like, okay, Lord, I'm going to put my, my glasses in my purse. So if you don't heal me, I can like drive home. And God's like, that's not how it works. That's not what risk is. That's giving a safety net and not trusting me to do it. So on Sunday, the Lord told me to do it again. And I was like conversing with John. I was like, I don't know if I should do it. Should I do it? So I like ran into the lobby and took my contacts out and was like, do it, God. And I prayed all service. And he didn't do it. But you know what? That's okay. I wasn't discouraged because I took a risk and I took a leap of faith and I would have been so mad at myself and all day would have been regretting it if I hadn't just taken my contacts out and seen what God did. And you know what? I'm going to keep doing it because you know what? I just asked someone to drive me home. I went and got my glasses. I came back and I drove my car home. Like no big deal. I can't, you know, I'm not going to endanger my life or anyone else's life. But the thing is, is we have to do things like that. And if it doesn't work out the way you think it's going to go, doesn't mean that God's not good. It doesn't mean that God's not faithful to finish a work. Just means that we need to keep asking asking him for it because he's going to do it. He is faithful to complete a good work. Real reward requires real risk, right? If I don't take a risk to take to see if, and ask the Lord to heal my, heal my eyes, I'm not going to know if he's going to heal my eyes or not. I, and that's something personally for me, I feel like the Lord is challenging me. And like, do you trust me enough to not have a backup plan to get home from church if you take your glasses out? Seriously. Like that is what that, and that's what I want. Like I've asked the Lord so long for radical faith and he's like, well, are you actually going to do it? You pray about it. Do you, do you actually going to do something that makes that happen? The last thing, which I guess applies to this too, is live it out as a lifestyle. We have to actually live this out every single day. That means that we are seeking God daily, asking him to, to, do, to move. We take risks and telling people about Jesus. And it doesn't have to look like, do you want to be saved? Commit your life back to God. Like, it doesn't have to be this gnarly, intense thing. It can be as simple as, um, hey, can I pray for you? Right? There's a couple real practical things, and then we're going to jump into... Um, we're going to jump into the Lord doing stuff, but Hey, how do you bridge a conversation? Right? Hey, can I pray for you? Super simple. You know, like uh, pastor Andrew was telling me, uh, him and Lauren were walking down from the campus and they saw like a girl in crutches or something. Hey, can I pray for you? Super simple. You don't even need like a word. They have crutches. They're limping. They have a cast. They need healing. That's a freebie. The Lord put that in front of you. Just go for it. Right? So that's simple. Hey, can I pray for you? Maybe, um, 
Second thing you can do is just ask them about their life. Just talk to them. Just say, hey, get to know them. For example, uh, Pastor Andrew Dominic and I were at Phil's on sen- a couple Sundays ago, and we um, were just talking to the guy that was serving us, just kind of asking him about his life, and we... Um, he like opened up a little bit about having issues with school. And so Pastor Andrew's like, hey, can we just pray for you? We want to bless you. And he starts, Pastor Andrew gets a prophetic word and the guy starts crying in the middle of work. And it feels like it's as simple as hearing like about their lives and taking the opportunity to pray for them. Uh, that's the next thing, number three, treasure hunting. Okay, getting together with a group of people, asking God uh, for signs for specific things to give you so that you can go out into the community on your campus uh, at work and be able to minister to those people. And then the last thing um, was sharing stories to people naturally in conversation. So I don't know about you guys when you're at work or school, but like when I'm working with my coworkers, we talk about our life. We talk about, uh, you know, my family member said this, I went and did this over the weekend, bringing it up naturally in conversation with the people you work with. Oh my gosh, guess what? This weekend I went to this event called The Call and we were praying for people, we were praying for people and they were getting up out of wheelchairs. Like dozens of people got up out of wheelchairs. There's videos on Facebook. Let me pull it up and show you on Facebook on my break real quick. Like simple, simple things like that. You just make it a natural part of your life and it's going to change and then eventually Eventually, maybe they'll just be like, oh, that's cool, weirdo, charismatic, or maybe they're going to ask you about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just have to, we just kind of have to, have to step out of there. Come on. Are you guys excited? Are we getting excited about revival? Does this make sense? Awesome. So if I could have the band come back up, we, um, I just want to, I just felt like, huh? Okay, that's fine. Annie and Megan, <laughs> you're good. Uh, yeah, so I just want to, um, I just felt like when we were, when I was asking God about this and I was saying, hey, Lord, what do you want to do tonight? How do you want to do this? And I felt like God said, like, ask them if they want to get ignited. Ask them if they want to do this, if they want to commit to this. And so we're going to take a moment and I want to wait with every eyes closed, every eye, you can just close your eyes, eyes for a second. Um, I want you to just think about this. I want you to think about what would revival look like in my life? What would people encountering Jesus from me look like in my life? How can I be a catalyst to see God move every day? And I want you to just think about it for a second. And I want to, and I want to ask a serious question is, are you willing to commit to that? Are you willing to commit to seeing revival happen? Are you willing to take a, to say, Hey, I am going to step out of my comfort zone I'm going to take risks. I'm going to ask people. I'm going to talk about Jesus. And I want you to think about what that would look like for you. And in a moment, I'm gonna ha- there's going to be an opportunity for everybody to come forward if you want to like, say, I'm willing to live this out. And I want to publicly say to people, I'm willing to live this out. And that's not a pressure thing. If you decide, if you don't think you want to or you think you're not ready, we are not going to judge you if you stay in your seat by any means. Don't get up because everyone's coming up. I want you to think, do I want to go every day and do I want to tell people about him? Do I want to say, look what Jesus has done for me? Do you want to commit to seeing the Lord move in your campus? And I want us to just, just think about this for a second. And then there's going to be a moment. I'm going to invite you to come forward. And I want you to say, yes, I'm willing. Yes, I'm willing to commit to seeing the Lord move and bring revival here. Yes, I am willing, God, for you to take me and use me in whatever way you want to use me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. 
thank you, God, that it's simple. Guys, we don't have to be some great speaker. We don't need to be some crazy prophetic person. We don't need to be perfect. We don't need to be educated or not educated. It doesn't matter what your life looks like. God can use you for revival and use you to impact people's lives. He uniquely designed you just as you are to impact the people around you. So you don't, what is, what does it look like? What does a person inspiring revival look like? Just take a look in the mirror. That's you. Just as you are. So if that's you and you want to commit and you want to say, I want to just take a stand and say, I am willing to see God move. I'm willing to let God use me for revival. I'm willing to let God use me to impact the people in my circle, the people around me to the nations, wherever he sends me. Then I want to invite you to get up here to your seat and come forward because I want to pray for you and I want us to stand together and commit to see our campus impacted. In your time, and like I said, if you don't feel like this is you right now, we are not judging you by any means. You need to do what you feel like you're called to do. Come on. Come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. And in a few minutes, I'm going to have the Azusa team pray for you guys because they've been just ignited and on fire. But I want before then, I want us to just kind of worship and cry out. We're going to go in, in, into the song, You Make Me Brave. And, um, and I just want that, I was thinking of that line that says, you make me brave. The thing is, the Lord gives you the strength and the ability to do this. God gives you the ability to step out of your shell and to say, I'm willing to do this. So just for a few minutes, I want just between you and the Lord to just to just think about this idea, to pray it out, to sing out. God, strengthen me, encourage me. God, give me the ability to do this. Just for a couple of minutes, and then after that, we're going to start praying for you. <laughs>